This is Wow! What a week. What a week. Politics. Welcome back to our What a Week hashtag Politics. He returns like the positive promises of politicians in the lead up to elections. However, in this case, he and his words have far more credibility and seem to garner quite a positive reception. Please give a wow. Welcome back to our Minister of Interpretation, Botsang Mudimuwami Muilwa. Uh, good morning, Brother Fresh. Brother B. And uh, morning to the followers and the viewers. Kushab. Kishap Bobra. Good week. Uh, the week has started very well. It's, yes, been, a, it's been a good one. Mm. It's good. Look, it's going to be hectic, whether domestically in politics, sure. uh, towards the elections, mm. more political parties, and globally as well. Eh? There's a lot of things are happening within the region and globally. Mm. But yeah, it's been a good week. I think let's start with uh, someone who has been under siege um, over the last week and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Tabi Loka, economist. Yes, yes. Um, her PhD that does or doesn't exist. Uh, what are your views on the storm around Tabi Loka? I, I, I like the way you put it that she has been under siege. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite uh, film stars, Steven Seagal, in that movie. But uh, I hope I, I hope and wish Tabi, Tabi had tactics of Steven Seagal. Mm. Uh, uh, to can get out of this siege, or, at, is, or at least to be able to move people. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, uh, I, I, look, look, fresh. Uh, let, let me start by saying I'm one of the people who, in various social media groups, mm. I was accused when I was digging into this whole thing mm. because we'll get into the politics of it. But when I was digging of what is actually happening here, I was I was accused by people to say I'm sympathizing with her. Mm even if she has done wrong or she has lied about her qualifications. Mm. Uh, but I was basing it. I was not sympathizing. I was asking the question, why now? You understand? We mm -hmm. have known uh, 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 to be as a doctor or to be having a PhD for many years. Mm. Uh, it didn't start uh, two, three years back. It's, it's almost seven, eight years since mm. she has been referred to as a doctor. And, and I was asking myself, why now? Because when you conduct an investigation or an inquiry, mm. you must look at the root of the whole thing. You don't just take it at face value. I didn't want to take it at face value of what the media reported, the Daily Maverick, the, the Business Day, and now the News 24. Mm. I wanted to check what happened at the beginning when everybody else, from the highest office of the land to international institutions and organizations, were referring to her mm. as doctor. Yes, she may have claimed to have a PhD and be a doctor, but there was due diligence done by mm. those institutions. And that's what I was looking at it from that angle. And 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 and, and but, I, but you understand why there's an uproar though. No, no, I fully understand why there is an uproar. Mm. I read a very interesting article by uh, 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 some gentleman uh, referred to him as bishop because he's a doctor and he's a bishop. And, and he breaks it down very well to say the uproar is being caused by the fact that there are educated people in South Africa, in the world, mm. who actually have those certificates. They didn't represent them. Some are, are unemployed. You know, there's so many graduates who are unemployed in mm. South Africa. Mm. And, and also that they never ascended to the positions that she ascended to. Mm. But I, I still say, I do not understand and do not know how did Tabi end up uh, falsifying or claiming to be having a PhD when actually her academic qualifications and background mm. and, and already it was in prime. That is my biggest confusion also. And, and, and a part of me actually feels sorry for her that for whatever reason she saw a need to misrepresent her mm. qualifications. Because already with a master's, she was good for whatever she was uh, asked to come and do. Of, of, of course, Fresh. And she actually has two master's degrees and Absolutely. From, from two prominent universities in the world. The universities of the Vet in South Africa, you know, mm. Vet is one of the prime universities in the world, and the London School of Economics, the same institution where she claims or to, to have graduated or, 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 or London uh, University mm. with, with a, a PhD. So already, she was the creme de la creme of the academics. She was in the prime. She worked for a company like Investec mm. Limited, where how many people with their commercial law qualifications would like to work for Investec, mm. would like to mm. be, you know, economic advisors. But, but let me tell you, that's where politics come in. And this, this is my thinking based on what I've, I've did. 
there's a problem with white capital, and we should understand that the, the, the Rockefellers of this world and the Rothschilds of this world, they're running the countries, they're running the economies, they're running the world and the governments. Mm. They dictate from the USA to UK to South Africa and many other countries like Nigeria. They dictate to the political office bearers who should be people that they surround them with. And they will normally pick up the bright sparks in the communities okay. or the societies to and that they can control those that they can give bazaaris, those they can those that they can take to study abroad with their bazaaris, they brainwash them and, and they will use those people to surround the political office bearers. And it is this is a classical example of how imperialists and white capital use their so-called in inverted commas, puppets and stooges. Mm. to can influence policies of the country. And, and Tabi's case is a classical example that she was groomed, funded, and, and trained, and, and, and you know, registered as an economist by what? By, by the prime universities of the world that produce people that become tools and puppets of imperialists. Mm. She, she, she falls in that, in that era. Then they go ahead when she's so, in the so, prime so, of Nigeria. So, so are you saying she's fallen out of favor with someone? Uh, look, well, I, I'll get back to that. I just okay. want to tell you how, how she, she, she comes in, to rise into this position. Okay. Now she's an academic. She works for the blue chip companies of the world, the investors of this world. And while she's there at the hype of her career, then what white capital imperialists do, they start taking her to use her as a pawn to fight political battles. She came into the public figure on Twitter and the media just to, uh, in 2017 when there was a big hullabaloo in South Africa with Save South Africa of mm. Bani Pichana, the, 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 the ready cabbies of this world, or ready records of this world. That's what actually was, she happened to be one of the people that was in the forefront of Zuma's fall. Mm. And she may have not matched the street and seen the vivas and, and, and being in political meetings, but she was doing it in the social media. She was doing it in formal uh, platforms that were influencing government and economic businesses. She will address a lot of seminars that were doing that. So you could see how she was rising into that. Then, boom, in a period of less than five years, this lady was the part of the 17 or 18 panel economic advisors of the president of the republic. Mm. You know, there, there's nothing wrong in a black, young, educated woman occupying that position. Absolutely nothing wrong. And, and, but she ended up being there because she was on the anti-Zuma pro CR17, pro New Dawn. Mm. That's why. But that, it didn't end there. At some stage, she was with the Treasury. She was with the Reserve Bank as an advisor, as an economist, not as an employee, on prominent advisory and influential position. Mm. And already at that time, she was being referred to as doctor. Then it moves and it gets even more interesting. Mm. Then she becomes a board member and serves on various board committees, strategic sure. position of at least seven blue chip international companies. Some of them, coincidentally, President Ramaphosa has a history with them. Mm. Anglo-American, MTN, and, 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 and Netcare. Mm. So you can see the political link to the business link of how she was placed. But I said in, in one of my writings this week, it is so interesting that nobody in this world, all the HR people, that handled her appointments, even if it was not an interview process, mm. even if it was not an employment, but an appointment, none of these HR people did due diligence. It looks like the HR was one person or one company. No, but they did. I think the letter from Netcare. Yes, and only Netcare. And in fact, of all of these companies on whose boards she sat, I think Netcare are the only ones that have almost said we were wrong. And what they basically meant by we were wrong was when we did our due diligence, it was clear that there is no PhD. Yes. But we ignored it and proceeded to appoint her anyway. It looked fresh. Net, net care and, is and, talking post facto. Yeah. And it was in 2021 when they said they discovered mm. we should look at when was she appointed. And companies, companies can still appoint a person and look at the situation and say, Despite this, the person still qualifies. And yeah, oh, but, that's but, why they, but they must still address the misrepresentation, though. Uh, yeah, you exactly. can't sweep it under the carpet. Look, because it, also, if you want to sit on my board, but I can already tell that you are lying to me, where am I still appointing you? Yeah, yeah, still how, appointing how will you do your fiduciary duties? Where are ethics in that instance? Because I think Anglo did the same. Anglo have admitted that 
When we did our due diligence, it was clear there's no PhD here, but they still appointed it. But that takes us back to your question. Did she step on somebody's toes? Exactly. I, 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 I think uh, 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 this lady started becoming big that even without my PhD, even if they know that I don't have it, they still appoint me. And I think she became big-headed. She became too big for her shoes. So what, let's clip her and, wings. And, and, and they're clipping her wings, actually. The people who appointed and put uh, 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 Tabi there mm. is the same people who propelled her to be in that position. They pay there. And by the way, to serve on these boards, mm. it is not cheap. It doesn't come cheap. There's a whole lot of money. I've got a brother who served in various boards. At some stage, he spent two years sitting at home saving on prime board, three prime boards without a salary, but with just bought, you know, fees. And he could live very well. But, but all I'm saying is, is the same people who propelled it, the same people who elevated to that level, who knew that there was misrepresentation. I will not be surprised mm. if Chabi wakes up and says, the very same people who put me in those positions are the same people who said I must claim to have a PhD or who promised me a PhD. Mm. Because if you look at the link of this whole companies and the prestigious London School of Economics, that is also, you know, a, a ridiculously, in my words, a silent about this matter. The fact that they responded to one media house. Mm. when they were questioned whether she has qualification or not. For me, it's not sufficient. Why are they not coming out to put their position loud and clear, not to one media house? We are relying on what London School of Economics has said to either the Daily uh, Maverick or the Business Day. Mm. We are relying on what those two media houses or one of them is telling us. London School of Economics has not come out public for the benefit of their graduates, mm. for the benefit of some of us who have been dreaming to can study there, to say, ah, uh ah, -uh, this is the official position. They haven't done that. But, they do, are, but do they owe anyone an official position? Uh, look, fresh. They, that's a public institution, a very mm. respected international. They do at least, I saw the stories also on the BBC, mm. and the BBC is, is actually quoting and referring to the Daily Maverick and the Business Day of South Africa. It's a BBC, it's a British Broadcasting Corporation. They are sitting in London, they are the, neighbours. The, the, they should be getting commentary. They should be getting mm. commentary. Why is the BBC quoting a South African newspaper mm. and not... Uh, 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 go into the institution directly and ask questions as, as a media house as well. Why are they not doing that? But I think uh, 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 either either Tabi, well, I don't know, is it Tabi or is it Tabi Sile anymore? We don't know anymore. Uh, either Tabi has stepped on somebody's toes or she was getting tired of living a fake life and doing dirty work. You understand? Because there has been dirty work to be appointed to these positions. I mean, this is the lady who was sitting do you know that one dangerous thing that she's, it, it, she's, she's, she's actually stepping on or, or terrain? Ter 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 At some stage around 2017, she was in a commission of inquiry into the corruption in the PIC because mm. she served the PIC as well. And under oath, under oath, she, she commented and she insisted that she's got a doctorate. Mm. Now, now that carries five-year sentence to mm. prison to lie under oath. You know, there's something to mislead your future employer and something mm. like that. They may dismiss you, they may withdraw you, they may say pay back the monies you earn, but, but to lie under but, oath... Pressure is a different story. It's, it's, a, it's a very different story, mm. completely. She went on, on 702, mm. live in her own words, not represented, not misquoted. I listened to that interview oh, over yeah, on and the over. Clement Manatella yes, show. Yes, with Clement, Clement show. Mm. And she said, it's a lie, I do have a PhD. And that I will sue and that I've changed my name, so they, exactly. they probably have the wrong name on the records, that side. And and I think there was an opportunity there also to actually just come clean. Uh, PR, you need, you need good PR skills. I always tell people, if you are cornered, mm. and some of us in diplomatic studies who were trained, if you are cornered to reveal information that may put you into trouble, mm. do not answer at that stage. Mm. And, and she led to that. Number two, the PR has always been wrong. She started very wrongly with this whole PR thing. Mm. If you come out clean, as you said, she had an opportunity. If you come out clean at the beginning, you nip this thing at its inception. And then it's done. Then it's done. It dies. And now you deal with the aftermath of coming clean as opposed to now you have strung people Goal along. Goalpost shifting. Goalpost shifting. And you said you issued the certificate you gave. He, you know, I... And I'm sorry, but if I have a PhD, there's a copy on my phone and there's one on my office desk and my mother has one. If you want my PhD, you will see it in one minute. Somebody, somebody said, 
at least give us the graduation photos because those ones we put them on social media. And, and, and we know that if you have a PhD, you will have photos. We will have photos. Yeah, look, uh, look, fresh. This is not a, an, an easy thing, and it's also unpalatable. It's unpleasant. I, I personally feel sorry for her, and uh, not that she lied. But because she's a victim of a political and, and some international, you know, economic uh, sabotage and control of governments, imposing people on governments. Mm. And she's not the only one. You will see many will start coming. Uh, just let me tell you what I'm suspecting. Sure. I am suspecting mm. that Tabi, because she was being tipped to be the deputy governor of the Reserve Bank mm. under Leseja, Kanyao. Mm. Leseja is about to retire to finish a term in the next uh, year and a half or two. Mm -hmm. And she was going to be propelled to rise to that position. Those who are in control of the treasury mm -hmm. that is supposed to politically manage the SARB, I think they have their own person that they want. And they went to check to say, how can we deal with this lady ah, before she goes out of the way. Get out Yes, of the get way. her out of the way because mm -hmm. she was becoming too powerful. Mm -hmm. You move from the presidency, you are going to become the deputy governor of the Reserve Bank. You are a young black woman. Mm -hmm. And, and you will eventually become the governor of the Reserve Bank. And that's a problem because the ruling political party and other political parties are talking about having a central bank clipping the wings of the Reserve Bank and making the Reserve Bank to work and serve the best interest of the country. And I think she was becoming a thorn in them. And somebody who is either uh, uh, against her rising to that position or who is eyeing that position for somebody else or for themselves, decided let us expose this person in order to deal with it. And look, the, it's, it's done. All mm. these boards and companies that she served, I wonder what is the situation on her formal employment. That's sure. another cause of concern. Mm. Where is she employed and as what? Mm. Understand? Because we are talking about bots that she serves on. Bots, bots don't necessarily have to go for interviews and, and qualifications check mm. and so forth. Mm. It's going to be ethical. That's why they're removing her for ethical reasons. But what about the employment places where you were wrongly appointed based on the qualifications that you claim to have. And, and again, Fresh... And, and, and do you refund the money? Because isn't that, that what happened with the former mayor of Tswane? Quite, uh, yes, yes. Who, who uh, misrepresented the, his qualifications. The, the case is still on with the former but, mayor of Tswane. But we're told he has to refund to all refund the money that all money paid. And, it, and it's a lot of money that mm. these people are earning. You mm. can imagine this lady being an economic advisor of, in a company like Investec, mm. how much is she earning you know, per annum, over four million, I can tell you, per annum. And, and how many of these boards and these companies she has served on. So it is going to seriously cripple her. But I think she definitely needs a super good PR to deal with this thing once and for all. It happened with Dr. Paolo Jordan. He dealt with it once when it happened. It died. Dr. Paolo Jordan is back on the political spectrum. We even forgot about that. We, we still see him as an elder. Mm. I do not say it is correct when people lie and misrepresent their qualification. But I'm saying once it comes out, once you get caught, it is wrong to misrepresent your qualification. Mm. But once it comes out, come out clear. You mm. know, there is nothing that kills a story like telling the truth. Yeah. That's like it kills the story. It's actually a master PR move. Yes, it's a master PR. Just tell the Nip truth the and budget. this thing died. You know, so, and you can actually even make it short. Mm. I misrepresented myself and I apologize to the nation. You keep it there one I'm sentence. sorry for all I heard. I'm yeah. sorry for all of the disappointment. What, what, what else can they say about that? Then, as you said, after that, you start dealing with the consequences. You start approaching sure. the company mm. that appointed you. But I also think she's got aces mm. in her sleeve. I think she's got things that she can tell that will actually cripple these companies. There's no way, Fresh, that seven, I've counted seven at least, mm blue chip companies that appointed this lady into those positions. And none of them did a due diligence. Or those that did, they disregarded it. Mm. You understand? Mm. And look, it is their prerogative to can disregard uh, whether she's got a PhD or not. The lady has a master's mm. in, in economic history and a master of arts. What more does she want? Again, somebody asked me, Botsang, why, why, what do you think she did that? And I said, I don't know. In fact... <laughs> Rema said, I feel, you know, I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for her at a level of a lot of people in positions such as hers often feel so much pressure to appear to be what they're not. Yes. And yes. they succumb to that pressure. And also because there is a massive market for 
and, and, and in, in fact, you know, the fact that she misrepresented her qualification for me is actually a small issue. There are people who will even print a whole certificate yeah. that says, and there's even online institutions yes, that you yes. pay them X amount. And, 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 and based on the strength of your work experience will give you a qualification. Issue a qualification, yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? So I feel sorry for people who feel under that much pressure that they're willing to misrepresent their, their qualification. We, we are not the same human beings and our levels as human beings of strength and how we respond to peer pressure, professional mm. pressure and social pressure is different. Sure. And, and I think in this instance, she, she naturally lacked the ability mm. to can sustain this pressure that was coming. I'm sitting here, I pray and wish to serve in one or two bots, you know, during this year. Mm. If five comes, I'll be overwhelmed. Mm. You understand? So I must just test the, 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 the space that am I capable of handling to serve on five prominent, not mere bots, mm. you know, mm. not a uh, fresh foundation that, that is unknown, not to what, say undermine. What is wrong with the fresh, fresh foundation? Not to undermine the fresh foundation. But I'm saying, oh. If I serve on Fresh Foundation and Kuvesh Foundation compared to Hamaposa Foundation and Motsipe Foundation and Zuma Foundation, those, those, those are bigger names. But nonetheless, it also depends on what do you do there. Mm. You know, board is a board in the chain, five, six, seven members. There's subcommittees of boards mm. which are very influential. They make serious determinations. There's serious work to be done. Their expertise are needed. But it's peer pressure and and... And look, the humanitarian part of me kicks in to say mental colonialism fresh is a very serious thing among African people. Mm. If a woman has four certificates, four postgraduate I know of, has got a, a junior degree and honors and two masters, what more do you want mm. to can actually cook something, to can have something you don't even need? She doesn't even need that PhD. Mm. At the level that she has been at and the performance she has performed And at, the work experience alone. The work experience, it was more than enough. Mm. That's where mental colonialism comes. Colonialism has made African people to think we are not good enough. Sure. And, and, the, and the more degreed you are, uh, the more we will accept you. You know, I am more and more and studying almost every year for postgraduate studies on, on uh, development training and current affairs, né? instead of going for a master's or a PhD, mm. because I've, I've noticed how useless those qualifications are. Mm. And, 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 and not to say people must not go for their master's and their PhDs, but for me, in the fields that I'm operating on, I would rather go and do a six-month intensive course mm. on, on border management or immigration or, mm. or state security. It is much more relevant to me to do those than to go and chase and writing a very thick 340-page PhD. Then I've got a doctor title behind me. Mm. Uh, and I think the problem also that we are sitting with is titles. Sure. Absolutely. I think we, we must move. We're going to get a PhD in talking at the rate we're going. We should get honorary ones, <laughs> then we are safe. You know, if we have honorary doctorates, then we are safe. The immigration amendment bill closes on the 31st of January. Yes. What are your thoughts on the bill? Look, uh, you remember sometimes at the beginning of December, I think it was our first show, the first week of December, uh, I, I had concern that how can the government release those three bills at that time? Mm. And the immigration uh, amendment bill, is, it was one of them to say the timing is not correct to do it in December. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that Dr. Aaron Mutsualedi and the team at the Department of Home Affairs mm. have listened to the complaints from the public. Uh, interested parties, which are mainly NGOs, as well as members of the public like me. Although I had time myself in December, I'd given myself time to can go through that bill for two reasons. One, I've got personal vested interest in mm. border management and immigration issues professionally. But secondly, playing into the political space, I looked at how political parties are, are playing uh, regarding immigration laws. Mm. I think it was a good move for Dr. Motswaledi and the team to can extend the date, although I still think they could have taken it to February. January is still a hectic month. We are dealing with a number of issues. Mm. But, but uh, the 31st, by the time our viewers uh, look at this show and, and, and remember that there's a bill that they must comment on, they'll be left with a few days, you know, less than seven days. Mm. The, the, the extension is welcomed. Uh, this, that bill has a lot of work to do. And I think political parties, instead of going to social media platforms and creating impressions that there's something wrong with our immigration laws, this is an opportunity for people who have been complaining about immigration into their country 
uh, whether it's immigration or migration of people, it, mm. it, it, it's the whole Immigration Act. It's time for them to can comment and influence the situation. I have done my part. I'm polishing it at the moment. And, and, and I think uh, uh, members of the particularly the Patriotic Alliance, uh, uh, the right South Africa, uh, RASA, uh, uh, no political parties which has been complaining about immigration laws, including those who are so-called pro-foreigners like the EFF that mm. has created an impression that they are pro-African foreigners. Let me, let me uh, qualify it. They must now go and give their input or take from their manifestos to put into this immigration in order to inform uh, the position of the country. Because when that bill gets voted into law in parliament, all the MPs of all these political parties that will be qualifying uh, after the general elections this year, they will have an opportunity to say the paragraph or the clause that my political party has recommended has found itself into the immigration bill. You understand? I, 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 and I, I'm, I'm thanking Home Affairs and Dr. Mutsalidi for the extension. There's an organization in Europe now, it's an NGO that has been formed by a former commander of the Dutch, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, armed forces. Mm. And he has formed an NGO, uh, I think it's Sunsex or something like that, that is uh, drafting an immigration bill for, for the EU, you know, for, for Brussels, Brussels being the capital of the EU. And, you know, I, I've, I'm following their story for interest's sake. Mm. And, and I like the four-point factor that he has put into, into, into position to say, instead of fighting immigrants who are going to the so-called land of milk and honey, like South Africa is regarded as the land of milk and honey, instead mm. of fighting that we can't, we can't control it, let us come with laws and policies and measures that can aid us. Uh, in order to control. You can't fight I immigration. You can control immigrants. Mm. You can put laws into place. And I, I'm one of the people who have been saying South African immigration laws have been okay, have been correct. The application of those laws has been a, a problem number one. Problem number two has been the constitution not talking to the immigration laws. So there was, there was no synergy between the human rights part of our constitution mm. and the immigration laws. And this bill or this amendment bill will help to can bring that synergy. But, but what I like about this European organization, and I wish Sadak or Africa could have something like that, is, is, is to say the biggest problem with illegal immigration, it's not actually the human element factor, it's illicit goods before even the human factor. Because some people are genuinely coming into a country like South Africa for humanitarian purposes, for economic purposes. But once there's drugs that are involved, there's illicit goods that are involved, mm. and there's corruption that is involved in even moving uh, those people. You know, I always tell my friends from uh, countries like Zim and Mozambique to say, you don't have to bribe to be in South Africa. Mm. You can follow the prescribed process. But because people are told mm. you need to give three, four, five thousand to get the South African ID and to bribe, they believe that a lot. And while these people genuinely qualify to be legal immigrants in South Africa. So we shouldn't just, and, and, and this is my, my leave to, to political parties like the Patriotic Alliance and the EFF that is talking about removing the borders. As a Pan-Africanist, I don't believe in colonial borders, but the reality mm -hmm. says to me, are we in a position as a nation or as nations of SADC and AU to remove borders? We are not. We are not yet at that stage. We need to come with policies, rules, and implement them and laws, mm. implementation of laws and regulations. If we have a, a, a policy or a law of labor that says you can't appoint and employ people in South Africa for a skill that is present in South Africa and roaming the streets, and we don't enforce that labor law, mm. then it defeats the purpose of that immigration law. In a sense, so because, because the laws are there, the, the laws are there. We, the we, implementation, exactly. And 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 I hear people talking about a porous borders. You know, I'm fresh in in my line of duty, and I put this as a disclaimer that I'm I'm talking about uh, borders in this instance in my private capacity as a political analyst. For years, I served the Border Management Authority and its formation and cross-border and all that. And I've been having a problem with people, including political office bearers, saying we have porous borders. Mm. Understand? We, we, have, we don't have porous borders. No country in the world, even countries with the best armies in the world, like Korea and the USA, they don't make the borderline 100%. Mm. It's, it's, it's impossible Absolutely. to make the borderline 24-7. It's highly impossible. And it's thousands of kilometers. 
South Africa has one of the biggest, uh, over 4,000 borderline, mm. when, when we include the airspace, you know, the, the, the kilometer radius, the airspace, the seaports and all that. We, we should have a system whereby we know who is in the country. And those who came legally into the country, we should have a system whereby we monitor them the same way as correctional services. And I like to use this simple example. Correctional services has a system to can monitor parolees oh, or yes. people who are on parole. They've got correctional service officers who visit them uh, 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 you know, at, at certain intervals or these people must report to police stations or whatever the, the, the system is there. We should have a system whereby if Botsang is a foreigner who came to South Africa legally for a certain period, we should be able to check periodically whether I am still living in the same address yes. and doing what I said I'm coming to do in South Africa. And when time comes that has expired, another element that South Africa in the apartheid times and Europe is doing it now, that they did and it worked. It mm -hmm. worked. It was an apartheid, but it worked. To get a visa, to, whether it's employment visa or school visa or health to come, they, we were not allowed to get it inside. So when you are inside, you mm -hmm. get it when you are in outside. So that when we deny you... Go entry, to the country embassy... At home. You are being managed mm. before you enter the shores of South Africa. Mm. And we as, dropped as the ball. it should be. It should be like, but we dropped the ball. Mm. We ended up in a situation whereby we allowed NGOs through courts to can bring people into the country. And once the people are already in the country, that's where the constitution humanitarian part steps in to mm. say, they are already here, you can't throw them out. And people will say, but they crossed the river. How did they enter the country? Mm -hmm. There is an element of corruption. There is a humanitarian element whereby the constitution says you can't throw people out. You know, we remember uh, sometimes in October, November last year, we had a bus that was caught in the Northern Cape mm -hmm. with, with over 50 people, women and children. That is bordering along the lines of human trafficking. Yes. And those people were caught. In, a, in an abnormal society, and I want to use South Africa as a normal society, those people who have been thrown out. But this normal society with human rights and the constitution, we are not allowed to touch those people. They are still in South Africa. We arrested the, 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 the lady who was leading that whole process mm. and the bus driver and the bus. So those are arrested. But all those 50 plus people... They become our responsibility. They become our responsibility. Mm. And that's where we drop the ball as a nation, mm. not to manage these immigrants and immigration uh, uh, things people do. Europe is trying to do that. Let me tell you, Europe is going to be smart about this. A country mm. like Germany, mm. its biggest influx are Turkish people so. in Germany. Oh, uh, the Germans are reporting that almost 1.5 million people applied for visa entry into Germany. But because of the system of managing them before they enter the country, mm. only half a million people or, or yeah, 560,000 people were allowed into Germany to manage them. But you know why are they not stopping them? Mm. Because it's cheap labor. Mm. Because it's labor that the Germans can afford. Instead of assembling their cars in an, in an industrialized but revolutionized and laborized country like South Africa, instead of doing that, let's bring the Turkish to come and do their job at cheap labor. Mm. So Europe is also dependent on, on cheap labor from surrounding countries and Africa. That's why they are managing this. And they are aware that no river, no sea, no fence, no machine gun is going to stop illegal immigrants. It, it is not going to work. But we should move towards that direction. Now, as a person that has worked in border management, what stops this country, like other countries, from having, say, a three-border or three-country policy? So for argument's sake, if you're seeking asylum, we will not take you if you've traveled beyond three borders to come here. A lot of countries have that. That's why would you skip 50 countries to come here? It if you're seeking asylum and it's about asylum and not about South Africa per se, yeah, yeah. why are you skipping 50 countries? Why are you skipping 10 countries? And, and for me, it makes sense to have a three country uh, policy that if you skip more than three countries to get here, we can't help you. Yeah, what is stopping that? Our yeah. constitution. So what is stopping Our the constitution, constitution from being amended? Well, fresh. Uh, I wish I was an MP or a politician sitting in parliament. That, that's, that is what is touching the hands of, of Minister Mutualedi. Mm. Uh, to say our immigration laws are supposed to be aligned with the Geneva Convention, with the UN, uh, uh, what do you call the U U United Nations humanitarian, mm. whatever body, and the, the, the immigration arm of the United Nations. We were supposed to align our policies through that, but our, mm. our policy is swayed mainly towards 
uh, 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 the Bill of Rights. Mm. And the Bill of Rights talks of any human... You see this word in our constitution, of any human being. Mm. That comes from wherever in the world. That's why I've always had a problem to say, I don't mind if our brothers and sisters from Somalia and Egypt, as you say, three countries rule. Uh, they, they cross over 14 countries to can arrive in South Africa, and we mm. accept them. Mm. Bangladesh, Pakistan, mm. you understand? You look at people complaining about, uh, 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 what do you call them, our brothers in running puzzle shops mm. uh, uh, in their townships from Pakistan and Bangladesh. We have first to amend the constitution to remove that part of any human being. We, guys, we are not uh, the Mother Teresa's of this world. South Africa is not the Mother Teresa of this world. We have domestic and internal problems that we can accommodate everybody. Yes, it will be good. We are showing goodwill to do that. But you must also see how this whole thing is skewed uh, uh, towards the Europeans. There are so many Europeans. In this country, who came here with tourist visas and they're still sitting here for many years. So we must we must not focus only on asylum seekers. Mm. We must focus on people who enter this country legally on tourist visas, mm. and 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 they they overstay in the country. And that, I can tell you, there's there's millions of white people from Europe from various. That's why we had the Donovan tragics of this world, you know, sitting in South Africa and conducting criminal activities in this country. And we couldn't touch them, but. I agree with you, that's where we should go, to say, if people from the six neighboring countries, Lesotho, Eswatini, Botswana, Namibia, Zimbabwe, and Mozambique, our immediate neighbors, mm. come and seek asylum in South Africa, it's a different ballgame because they are immediate neighbors. Then we look at the second country after that, that will be the Malawis, the Zambias mm. of, of this world, the Angolas, and Angolas. so forth. Then we must stop there. Instead of us saying everybody, we should, and it is well within the Geneva Convention that we should focus and look at immigration laws in that route. But uh, let's hope that those who are going to comment on that bill, those who are lawmakers at the Department of Home Affairs, and those who are sitting in the Parliamentary Committee mm. on Home Affairs are watching this show and will listen to your suggestion. And I hope you are going to go to the bill and add that suggestion to say, why is South Africa not implementing mm. a common practice of the world to look at immediate neighbors in handling? We wouldn't be having this situation. We wouldn't be stuck with Somalians and Pakistanis and all that. But also there's another problem. When these people come to South Africa, they you see this another uh, uh, strategy that they have used. They have taken advantage of our land borders mm. because you remember the group of the 22 or 27 uh, uh, NGO-led immigrants that Minister Motoy wanted to block from Zimbabwe. Oh yes. So what they do is, if we apply the three-country rule, then they will come by either way, either by air or sea or land into the neighboring immediate countries. Then they will apply for asylum from those countries. You understand? And that's, that's another loophole or gray area in our immigration system. To say if they apply while they are in Lesotho or Zimbabwe or Mozambique, whether they come from Bangladesh or Asia or, or anywhere, we should consider them because they are immediately in a country where they suffer. And they always like to use Zimbabwe mm. to say they are suffering in Zimbabwe. There's poverty in Zimbabwe. There's sanctions. So they can't survive in Zimbabwe. South Africa receive us. Then you have all these uh, uh, NGOs that mm. are standing up for them. These non-governmental organizations that are funded by imperialists, that's why the, 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 the business sector, the DA and the business sector, mm who love this country according to their manifestos, they are quiet. Why do you think the, 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 the BUSA, Business Unity South Africa, and companies are quiet about immigration, that it is training the resources of government? It's because they are benefiting from this cheap labor that they are bringing into their country. And that's the challenge we are sitting with. Have you ever heard or, or, or read anywhere in the manifesto of the GA them talking about illegal immigrants or immigrants? No. Mm. They're very silent about this part. If they don't just have one line that says borders are porous and we don't need illegal people in the country, then they end there. They don't expand the way they are always good about this because they benefit from that. So sure. understand? The farm owners who are mainly white people in South Africa, they are benefiting from cheap labor from neighboring countries. Up until that cheap labor becomes criminal and they turn against these business people, mm. they start stealing from them, they start murdering them, or they start conniving with criminals who can rob, murder, and steal mm. from the 
you know, prospective employers. And, and then they start jumping around to say, we allowed as a country illegal immigrants. When they facilitated uh, 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 this so-called illegal immigrants to come and be employed in South Africa. Sure. And, and, and I think it's a good point you are making. Part of our immigration law should say immediate neighbors should have priority. And, and when you look at our immediate neighbors, we are actually talking Zimbabwe to the main extent, Mozambique to a lesser extent. That's all. And Lesotho, you know, it's, it's, it's mainly uh, low-cost labor that are inside. But it's well-controlled and it's well in shape. Otherwise, we don't have problem with immigrants from Botswana mm. and, and, and Namibia and, and Eswatini that much. So, so I, I think maybe you have given me an opportunity to go back to my paper before I submit it, because I'm going to submit it the last minute. Oh, yes. I've decided to keep it in the last minute to home affairs. I'll submit on the on the, the day the thirtieth. But these are some of the role we can play in influencing policy development in the country. You know, I sit here and I talk like I'm I'm in my office doing my job that I, I was supposed to be paid for. And but for the love of this country and for going to the right direction, I, I think we should start contributing to those factors. But do our politicians listen fresh? Do they really read and listen this draft bills and acts, or do they just sign them off? That's my concern. Yeah, is it already decided? Now you must just sign. I, this one of, this one of the immigration, they can't just decide because the Patriotic Alliance, Rise South Africa, Sarah, and other political parties are sitting on their heads, and, and the EFF on the other side, mm, you understand? Absolutely. Uh, they are sitting on their heads. They will not just pass this one easily. Now, speaking of the DA, the, the, the DA have questioned uh, the motive of uh, Premier of the um, Northwest Bushimaape seeking medical help in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously um, his people have come back and said, um, it's not taxpayers' money, he's paying for it himself. Yep. But the DA say, but what are you saying about our health system? Our health system. That you're running to Thailand for, you know, for medical assistance. Surely you're putting our system under scrutiny. And surely you must be using the same system that your people are subjected to. Fresh, uh, you know, we can talk about this forever. The Sankara Oath kicks in. Uh, the first part that she is using her own money is immaterial. You are a political office bearer. You mm. occupy a public office. You have a responsibility to make sure that public institutions where you serve, and in this instance, mm. the Mafiken Hospital, the hospital in Lechtenberg, in it's sure. saying, mm. those hospitals that used to be state-of-the-art hospitals, the, 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 the premier does not trust his own, you know, and, and you even jump Gauteng, which is, and, and the Western Cape, which are supposed to be having best facilities, and, and KZN as well, and you even go to, to Thailand. But it shows the thinking of our political office bearers that they do not have confidence in our own system. Mm. And that's why she's living. Look, it doesn't surprise me. Last week, me and you, we spoke about how the children of Njimotseka and the others uh, the panyazas of this world who have been MECs of education. Where are their kids in public schools? I want to see Tate Panyaza Lusufi walking his children no, to I think, public school. And I think Panyaza has always said that his kids are in private schools, oh, if I'm not mistaken. In private? No, I mean in public in schools. In public schools. Oh, yeah, okay. I think the last I, say, I checked, Panyaza did say. Okay. Uh, his then kids that's are how in it schools. should be. Yeah. But, but look, the DA, it's, it's backing uh, 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 the, uh, the round of the DA itself, it's part of this government. Is, 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 the, is the official opposition of this country. And the DA cannot, I'm not defending the Premier of the Northwest. In mm. Anyhow, I think it's, it's ridiculous what she's doing. But the DA is part of the government, and the DA cannot tell me that any of their MECs or mayors or their children go to public hospitals or they go to, to what do you call it, to, to public schools. Understand? So, so I, I think also the DA has... has you know, reduce itself to be backing at minor things, man. Last week I saw something, or no, during the course of this week, the beginning of this week, I saw something that they are questioning Paul Mashatile, the deputy president of the Republic, and Cyril Ramaphosa, the president, for using up to nine flights to go to the ANC. Oh, yes, they were in and out. In and out yes. of the, what do you call them, Pumalanga yes, ANC yes, events, yes, because yes. it was not a one-day event. Mm, mm. And, you know, I sat there and I said to myself, the DA is playing cheap politics. You understand? Very cheap politics, because the, the Constitution, 
as well as what you call it, the presidential manual book. The president is a different one than the yeah. ministerial one. Yeah. It allows that nonsense. I call it a nonsense that when President Ramaphosa wants to go and, and any president, I'm not talking about Ramaphosa. And the deputy also. And they want to go and address the ANC meeting, ANC private meeting. They use our taxes and resources. And, and somebody very smart came to me and said, do they stop being the president at of the republic yes. at that time? No, they did not stop. And mm. why they did not stop? Because the presidential handbook or manual, whatever it's called, mm. that the DA is part of, and the EFF and everybody else, you understand? They are benefactors of that. For example, we have the leader of the EFF, mm. and I'm, I'm using Judas as an example. Who is the leader of a political party having blue lights? Just like any other minister or premier, he's none of those things. So when it suits and benefits them as the GA, their mayors have blue lights. They've mm -hmm. got this bill. They use them. They can't tell me that when the mayor of, of Cape Town goes to address meetings, he doesn't go with the bodyguards. It is because they've got time to go and check the fuel tanks use, the falcon that the president used. But our laws, again, our practices, our manuals, mm. they allow that to happen. That the president of the republic is the president of the republic 24-7. And all other presidents have used them. Until today, when President Mbeki and President Zuma go to address their foundations and their meetings and the role they play in the continent, President Mbeki plays a very big role in peace and stability in the continent. Where do we think the fuel and the money that transports him come from. It comes from our taxes. Mm. I, 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 I'm, I'm not here to defend any president or political party, but I'm explaining that if it's good for fresh, let it be good for both arms. Or if we find that that's ridiculous and making us spend money, let us change the law. Mm. Let us change that practice. Let, let's amend the let us say, President Ramaphosa, when you go and have dinner with your beautiful wife, please don't use our Mercedes-Benz. Mm. Get into your private car, get your private driver to drive to have dinner with your wife. But, but, but again, it goes back to what I'm saying, to say, why wouldn't we pass laws and regulations that say you will use state resources when you go to state engagements? Even when you go to your house, don't use state resources. When you knock off, park, park the car, there. park the car, park the, the bulletproof S-Class and drive your own car to go to your own house. Why don't we put such regulations? Mm. Have your own driver. If you feel like your life is threatened in your own house, if you're in a state house, it's a different ball game. But park the car. You know, I, I, I told you I once had a, a, a very serious problem with, with an, an ambassador that I once served on. Mm. He, he liked, and I like that part about him. Mm. He liked that when it's Friday evening or to go out, to not abuse the driver. Mm. He will say, no, I'll drive myself. And the police in diplomatic cycles allowed the head of mission, the ambassador, to can drive within 100-kilometer radius. They didn't care what you are doing. Uh. You are allowed 100-kilometer radius over a weekend. You can take your kids to RTBS, for example. Sure, sure. And I had a serious problem with that. To say, but this law is not right. I was not fighting the guy. I was fighting the law sure. that I influenced to change. Understand? To say, why should I take the state vehicle and go and party and dine and and and, and have uh, you know nice time with state monies? But again, the lawmakers in South Africa are the problem. Hmm. We cannot come and back at Paul Mashatile for using the Falcon to fly to Kruger uh, International Park nine times to go to ANC meetings. Our laws and rules and regulations allow him to do that, and, mm. and the DA must stop backing at that. That minister who has used her money or the premier to go to Thailand and seek medical help, I can stand up and say, Jacob Zuma used his money to go and, and, and Didi Mabuza to go to Russia and get medical attention. Mm. Some it's in a public space, some we don't know. Sure. Mm. Now, there's a saying everyone wants to be a revolution until you tell them, but are you willing to be a Sankara revolution? Is that true? Yeah. Uh, uh, these revolutionaries, the paper tigers and the noise makers, yeah. if you do not put... The, and, and, you know, one day maybe we must have a discussion and talk about who is Thomas Sankara and what Thomas Sankara did for children, mm. for his country, for women in that country. Mm. And he lived to that. You know, the, 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 the head of state who stood up and said, you are not going to drive Mercedes-Benzes. Mm. I've seen the president of Kenya did it recently. Mm you know, uh, uh, and of Zambia, to say, but there are cars that are parked there. Why do you need new cars? I've always said, why do we have these big engine cars sure. that our ministers are driving? But it's the Sankara oath, the Sankara way of governing the country. 
if you want to be, I'll put it differently, if you want to be a political office bearer, and you love this country, and you care about this country the way the likes of Banyaza Lusufi have demonstrated that they love this country, stop abusing state resources. Mm. Apply the Sankara Oath. I will believe in people who do that. Absolutely. Go to public hospitals, public schools, drive yourself to work for God's sake. Fresh, I drive myself everywhere. I don't have a driver. Mm. I trust myself behind the steering wheel, even if I ride cars off. Why, when I get appointed as a mayor, I want to sit at the back seat of a Mercedes Benz and somebody's driving me when I can drive myself? And also, unless you're president and you are deputy or vice president, why do you need such a security detail? Like, you're a minister. How many people hate you or trying to kill you? How many people know they are ministers? Why are you so paranoid yeah. that you're? own people would rather take you out. The people who have put you in that position. Why are you so paranoid? The people who have said, we love Mamulu Kukubai. She's a young black woman. We want her to be Minister of Housing and she's doing very well. No. Why would you want to kill that person? Why would you want to attack that person? You understand? And, and these are some of the problems we are sitting with. I can tell you, I told people it cost this country 44 million rands per year mm. to have one minister. I would repeat me that they are all ministers in my books. Mm. 44 million to have one. One, 44 million. Mm. And we are sitting with how many? Over 50. How many millions we can save? And, and, and these cars and these two houses, one in Cape Town, one in Tswani, and you have cars in Cape Town and Tswani, and you've got bodyguards because they have to work eight hours. It's, it's pathetic that we are a developing country that is crying about budget constraints, and we still have ministers traveling with entourages. You understand? Yeah. You, have, you, have, you are in a BMW X5. There's another X5 in front, another one at the back. And it doesn't end there. These cars sometimes are escorted by even metropolis mm. to can take them out of town. If we invite a minister to come to this studio to talk to us, they don't only come with one kind of bodyguards. They come with three cars, then Jobek Metro will be here. It's costing the nation a lot. I just wish one minister can stand up. And I've seen a, a, an MEC in KwaZulu-Natal that I like, Jomosi Bia, mm. at some stage staging up and say, I will live in my house in the township where before I became an MEC. He was an MEC of human settlements in mm. KZN. Mm. He remained in his private house. He drove himself to work. You understand? I want to see at least, at least cabinet ministers, MECs and premiers can just a quarter of you abandon these things and, and we'll see the country progressing. Absolutely. We've spoken for an hour. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you want to wrap up with, or are we good? <laughs> no, no. I, I, what did we have in our book? I, I think we are we are good. Yeah, we, we had the West Bank uh, whistleblower discrimination. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we can wrap up with that. But let me tell you, the, the West Bank whistleblower, I'm concerned if the whistleblower, what did he do, he or she do when he was an item and he was inside? Mm. Did he raise this matter with so, the management? So what is the matter? Okay, the, the, the matter is, and by the way, let's start by saying, it has happened years back that First National Bank, another whistleblower, which was First National Bank, mm. which is a sister to West Bank, is part of the First Rent Limited. Mm. At some stage, First National Bank was said to have charged its bond, a housing bond clients, blacks different from whites. Mm. In this instance, a whistleblower who was an IT specialist at the West Bank has come out and said when he was there or she was there, uh, West Bank was charging its clients who were purchasing vehicles in this instance. Uh, more than, like almost 18% when white people were paying between 8 and 11%. Wow. So there was discrimination. Now, I ask myself, where is the financial services board in this instance? Where is the financial intelligence center? Where is SCOPA? Mm. And, and, and the public protector's office and the co competition council, BUSA itself and the bank industry, the, the, you know, the banking sector, mm. that there is this allegation, for now we can treat it as an allegation, FNB or West Bank has refuted these allegations. But again, I always tell people, to be a whistleblower and you are hiding and you are saying things without providing material evidence, it doesn't help the nation. This guy, I want to check if they have provided, you know, they've confronted management of West Bank. Mm -hmm. Because if you have done that, you can stand up and say, I did raise it with management. You oh, see? Yes. And nothing was done. Nothing was done. Mm. Now I'm coming public because I, I'm outside. I'm not breaking Or oh, you are disgruntled. Or oh, you are disgruntled. But also, it goes with an element of ethics. You, 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 you see, there's not all of us who wants, who is not afraid to be in trouble. I've raised issues in government while I'm inside government, mm. and that got me into trouble. But it's, I understand it's not everybody who can do that. Also, this is the time that political parties and government 
chapter nine institution to step in, mm. help this whistleblower to investigate this crime against humanity because it has a racial element mm. in it. Mm. Now let us use our constitution to address this racial element that West Bank is purported to have conducted. I must go and check my records because one of my vehicles was once bought through West Bank. I must actually go and check if I was charged the proper interest rate that mm. I was agreed upon. Mm. But look, they can come and say, we are a private bank. We determine how much we are going to charge Fresh. What if they say that? What if they say, when we profile DJ Fresh, mm. we think he's risky, we think uh, being a DJ is not, a, what do you call it, a stable job, mm. therefore we'll charge you more interest than Jan Pire Vit, who, who is, is working for a government department or who's working for his father's farm and a stable source of income sure. for the last 20 years. So the bank can come and say that. We know it has a racial connotation to mm. it, Mm. Uh, but if it's based on the work that black people were doing or applicants were doing and not on, on, on race. Purely on color. Yes. Yeah, when it's based on purely on color. But look, Fresh, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. It doesn't surprise me at all that the white-owned banks in South Africa mm. may have practiced racism. In, or, or, uh, in, or profiling. Or profiling race people. Profiling, yes, you yes. understand? It doesn't surprise me. I mean, we still live under apartheid laws. These banks are white-owned white-controlled, and, and, and they're capitalists for the best interest of their profit. Let us be realistic. That's where we failed as black people to have a central bank of the government, a development bank of the government that we could be borrowing from, you know, as a, as a, as a previously disadvantaged nation. Or oh, black industrialists and multi-billionaires should own a bank that is going to focus on servicing black needs. And, and we fail to do that as a nation. We still rely on commercial banks. Even the government of the day, and this is very embarrassing, the government of the day is still banking with the commercial banks that robbed this country. If you look at accounts of almost every government department that I know, at least, mm. they're banking with First National Bank. Mm. Why? Why is the government not having its bank that its monies must go into the government bank and end interest and reinvest into people. And, and that's where the challenge is that we failed to industrialize and commercialize business in South Africa as black people. Sure. And, and, and it's catching up with us. Now we go and we borrow from the people who oppressed us. We borrow from the people who racially hated us. Mm. Whether they stop hating us or not, it's a story for another day. But, but you, you are my enemy and I come and borrow money from you and, and I think you, should, you are going to conduct yourself in a becoming manner. No, 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 it's not going to happen. But we hope that uh, they will dig into this West Bank issue. We hope that government institutions will come in, the Consumer Council, the Financial Services Board. It has changed its name. Uh, it's called something these days. They must come in and check if mm. West Bank has conducted itself according to the prescriptive of the banking sector. Absolutely. So those are some of the stuff that I think has been happening in our political spectrum this week. And, and, and let's hope that uh, Dr. Tabi will get out of the mess she has found herself in. Brother Man, where do we find you on social media and how do we get your book? There's someone in the West Indies, I think. In Australia. Uh, who says that they watch the show every Saturday yeah. and they need your book. I saw that. I didn't know how to respond to that person <laughs> to say, I've checked everywhere in Australia. She checked or he checked even in Australia to mm. see if they can get it. Look, I think people should inbox me on, on uh, plus two seven uh, zero eight two oh eight what four eight five. 9100 mm -hmm. or simply email me the person emailed me botsangm at gmail.com and we can make that arrangements okay, so, you, so you ship globally now I, I, no 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 I do ship global I've done it before sure. as long as the recipient of the book mm. uh, cover the cost of shipment Absolutely. then I ship globally no no I do that we can use the courier I'm glad you saw that comment eh? mm. and, and after you spoke to your viewers and listeners mm. five books were gone in two three days done. so the hundred books will be done if they can continue the momentum but yeah fresh that's where they can reach me and and let's keep it going the response has been very very good 
Hashtag Politrix with Botsang Muilo. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to tell every single person that you know that we Politrix every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. We've been coming to you from Amp Studios downtown Johannesburg. We are part of the Africa Podcast Network. Pezulu Works, shout out for the cinematography. They do weddings. They'll turn your wedding memories into a movie. So get in touch with Pezulu Works. Otis the Floor Fraser, thank you for all of the audio imaging. Our guest, Bozang Muilwa, creative producer, Kuvesh Mohan, and show producer, Kilezo Mudisa Gang. Email us at waw at africapodcastnetwork.com. Till next week, have a great week in spite of yourselves.